Well, good morning, family. It is good to be back with you guys. I missed you last week. For those that didn't know, I was on the road. We took a long road trip to D.C. and then we went to New York. And y'all can only imagine with four kids in the car with us, all under eight. Uh, it, was, uh, it was crazy, but it was awesome. We had a good time. We, we enjoyed ourselves on that long 14-hour ride, I think it was, something like that. But uh, it's good to be back. Thank you. God, we made it back safely. Um, did y'all enjoy your Thanksgiving this week? Some of y'all enjoyed it too much. Can't even speak, huh? Stomach's still right, still right huh? <laughs> I'm glad to be here with you. If you're new with us, I just want to say welcome to you. My name is Derek Puckett. I'm the lead pastor here at Renewal Church of Chicago. I know we have some family here in the house with us, so I'm thankful that you joined and you came on Sunday. You could have been anywhere else, but you chose to be with us this morning. So thank you, thank you, thank you for being here. If you would take some time and fill out one of those connect cards out on the table, our info table right outside these doors, I'd love to get to know you a little bit more, connect with you. If you're here in town, maybe sit down with you, have some coffee or, or lunch or something of that sort. We'd love to get to know who you are and, and, and I hope that you'll experience Jesus this morning, most of all, in this place with us. So thank you, thank you, thank you for being here with us. Well, family, we're starting our, a new series today. It's our Advent series. So if you got a Bible, go ahead and open them up to Luke chapter 2, verses 1 through 21, and for you Advent calendar people in here, I know I'm a week early, so you don't have to tell me that. Advent starts next week. I know it does, but look, we just extra spiritual here at Renewal, so y'all gonna get a little more Jesus than everybody else, amen? Amen. We're gonna wait him coming one week at a time, but it works out perfectly for us, um, and it gives me a chance to highlight what we're doing Christmas Eve. So we'll have four weeks of our Advent series up to uh, Christmas Eve, this series called Behold the King, and then on Christmas Eve, December 24th, it happens to be on a Sunday this year, this hence is hence why I'm a week early with Advent, um, this worked out perfectly in God's providence, he was looking out for me in my shortcomings all over, all the time he is, yes he was. And December 24th, we're having a combined service, we're going to host it, we're going to do another work Worship night, but we're going to have two other churches that join us that day, December 24th in here. So Legacy Fellowship and Painted Door will be here with us. It'll be at 4 p.m. in the afternoon, and it's going to be called An Evening with the King. So as we're bringing in this whole Christmas Eve and coming into Christmas, come out. It's just going to be an hour long. We're going to worship the night away. It's going to be awesome if you were with us. Did y'all enjoy the worship night last time, those that were with us last time? Yeah, it was an awesome time of worship. God did some amazing things. We're going to do that that day. Our children will sing, which is always sweet. It's going to be a good time. So, and hence, I mean, with that, I mean, what do you guys like these decorations? They did an awesome job, didn't they? Did an awesome job, Miss Liz, Allison, and all of those that were here uh, yesterday helping out. I'm so thankful for you guys and all that you guys do behind the scenes here at our church. Well, we're going to get into this text today. We're going to talk about Advent. And the reason I want to do a series on Advent is because this time of year, we can easily get so caught up in everything that's going on around us from the food to the family members to the presents and the things that we want for Christmas and all of those things are great. They're all great, but the problem is is that we tend to start to find our joy in all of those things instead of Jesus. 
See, I'm a culprit of this too. You know, just this week in Thanksgiving, y'all, I I had a ball eating everything. I I had some, I want to say hog moths, but I don't even know what that is. I didn't have that. I had some turkey. I had some chicken. I had some lamb chops. I had spinach, all the cornbread, everything, all the fixings. Y'all getting hungry right now, right? Right? Yep. Yep. I had all of those things, and and I ate so much that at the end of the day, when I was eating it, when I was done with it, y'all just went to sleep. Some of y'all know exactly what I mean. You eat so, you eat so good that you, you go turn the TV on and you want to watch the Dallas Cowboys. You want to watch Detroit. You've been waiting for that game all week long, you know, because Detroit plays every Thanksgiving. They may not win every week, Dan, but they're, they're always going to play on Thanksgiving. See, see, so you sit down and watch the TV and then all of a sudden the TV starts watching you. Y- y- y'all know what I mean, right? Yeah, see, that's what happens on Thanksgiving. But I love this time of year, but, but the problem is we tend to find our joy in all of these other places and things in our lives instead of Jesus. And, and, and then we only lift his name high at the Bells and Corals Ensemble or, or, or the Christmas Eve service. That's what we lift and we praise Jesus' name. But, but during this season, other than that, we're, we're not thinking about Jesus. We're thinking about what we're going to receive instead of what we give or, or the best gift of all that we get to receive. And see, this is much the reason we have to do an Advent series where the word Advent simply means or or points to the expectant waiting of Jesus coming and being born into this world. We named this series Behold the King because we simply want to turn your gaze and, 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 and point your attention to the coming of Jesus, the real reason for this season. It's the fact that Jesus, he steps out of heaven, he comes down to earth, and he triumphs over sin and death, making him our triumphant king. And in each one of these sermons that you'll hear throughout the next four weeks, whether it's myself or Pastor Luke preaching, you're going to see this word, behold. You're going to see this word, behold, because that's what it is. You're beholding him. He's coming to there. And this word is mostly pointed towards impressive people or important people, remarkable people. And to that end, Jesus is all of those things. Amen? So today, I want us to look at the birth of Jesus. I want to look at the birth of Jesus, pondering the question, where does my joy come from? Where does my joy come from? So let's get into the word. If you have your Bibles open, would you just stand on your feet if you're able with me? Luke chapter 2, verses 1 through 21. If you don't have a Bible, it'll be on the screen. Luke chapter 2, verses 1 through 21. Hear now the reading of God's word starting in verse 1. It reads, In those days a decree went out from Caesar Augustus, that all the world should be registered. This was the first registration when Quirinius was governor of Syria, and all went to be registered, each to his own town. And Joseph also went up from Galilee, from the town of Nazareth to Judea, to the city of David, which is called Bethlehem, because he was of the house and the lineage of David, to be registered with Mary, his betrothed, who was with child. And while they were there, the time came for her to give birth. And she gave birth to her firstborn son and wrapped him in swaddling cloths and laid him in a manger because there was no place for them in the inn. And in the same region, there were some shepherds out in the field keeping watch over their flock by night. 
And an angel of the Lord appeared to them, and the glory of the Lord shone around them, and they were filled with great fear. And the angel said to them, Fear not, for behold, I bring you good news of great joy that will be for all people. Remember that. For unto you is born this day in the city of David a Savior, who is Christ the Lord. And this will be a sign for you. You will find a baby wrapped in swaddling cloths and lying in a manger. And suddenly there was the angel, a multitude, with the angel, a multitude of heavenly hosts praising God and saying, glory to God in the highest and on earth, peace among those with whom he's pleased. When the angels went away from them into heaven, the shepherds said to one another, let us go over to Bethlehem and see this thing that has happened, which the Lord has made known to us. And they went with haste and found Mary and Joseph and the baby lying in a manger. And when they saw it, they made known the saying that had been told to them concerning this child. And all who heard it wondered at what the shepherds told them. But Mary treasured up all these things, pondering them in her heart. And the shepherds returned, glorifying and praising God for all they had heard and seen as it had been told to them. And at the end of the eight days, when he was circumcised, he was called Jesus, the name given by the angel before he was conceived in the womb. Very words of God, amen. Amen. Today, again, I want to speak on the subject where joy comes from. Where does our joy come from? Before we go any further, let us pray. Father God, I just ask simply right now that you would just hide me behind your cross so that you may be lifted up. Decrease me so that you may increase. Let your people hear a word from you and not from me, God. Let your spirit fill this place. May you be lifted up in our presence, God. Have your way. In Christ's name, we all said together, amen, amen. Let me see this. Well, growing up as a kid... I loved watching action movies. I love watching them to this day. I, I, anybody in here love action movies? Yeah. Now, if you like action movies, you need to be a little louder than that. Like, yeah, I like action movies. You gotta get, you gotta get a little mad with it. You know, I like action movies. See, as a kid, as a kid, I loved action movies. I loved all of them. I had to see all the John Claude Van Damme movies, the Arnold Schwarzenegger movies. Y'all know all the Terminators. I, I, I love Bruce Lee. Why? All of that stuff. I love the Karate Kids, Mr. Miyagi. Wax on. Y'all know it. Say it with me. Wax on. Wax off. Yeah, I loved all of these movies. My action fiend. I, I, I love them. But the one that I love the most, you know, the one that brought me the most joy, and y'all can laugh at this if you want to, but y'all, I love me some Ninja Turtles. <laughs> I love the Ninja Turtles growing up. They were awesome. Everything about them, I mean, these chemically enhanced, overgrown beasts, green and, and just strong and knew all the karate moves. They love pizza, too. I love everything about the Ninja Turtles. They brought me so much joy. I had all the action figures. I had every one of them. I mean, y'all gonna love this. At one Christmas, y'all, I got a life-size Leonardo turtle. Now, for y'all that don't know who Leonardo is, he's the blue one, the, the best one out of all of them. He, he's the leader. I, I loved Leonardo. That, that was me. I was Leonardo. I loved me some Ninja Turtles. But as I got older, 
my joy for the Ninja Turtles started to be less and less and less, and, and I, I started to make fun of the very things that I love to watch, these, these characters on TV. I started to make fun of them. I, 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 the movies that I received so much joy from, I started to think were silly. You see, friends, at the end of the day, as much as the Ninja Turtles amazed me as a kid, as, as, as much joy that, that I gained from them, all the movies and the action and all of that, their love for pizza, which is my favorite food, I love it, they, they, they didn't give me a lasting joy. The Ninja Turtles only satisfied for a moment. Family, what I'm trying to say is that if we're honest this morning, all of us in here have some Ninja Turtles in our lives. Things that only satisfy for a moment, but sadly will never satisfy for a lifetime. Hear me, the only one, the only person that can truly satisfy you for not only this season, not only for, for this day or tomorrow, but for the rest of your life is Jesus. So today, I, I want to briefly look at Luke chapter 2 and ask this question, where does our joy come from? Where does our joy come from? I have two points I want to talk about, and I'm going to get out of your way. Number one, God works on purpose. Everybody say, God works on purpose. God works on purpose. And number two, our great joy comes from Jesus. Say that with me. Our great joy comes from Jesus. Friends, when we're looking at this passage... As we get into the text this morning, we've heard this passage before. There, there's been movies made about this passage. There's one out right now called The Star. If you haven't seen it, go see it. I mean, we've sung about it. We have pictures of Jesus being born in the manger with animals all around. And we see the angels giving praise. We see all these things. We've seen the, the many different depictions of what's happening right here in Luke chapter 2. But sometimes what we fail to see happening here is the magnitude of all that's really going on here in our text. See, the setting of our passage happens in a place called Bethlehem, often called the city of David because this is where King David was born. This is also the place that Joseph, Jesus' mother, Mary, her husband-to-be, this is where he's from. And, and what's happening in the text is that although they're residing in this town called Nazareth, they, they're told to return to their home or their native land to where they can be registered or counted. It's a census. Now, Friends, it's easy to look at this passage and miss the significance and God's purposeful plan right here in the text. And we can say things like, well, Mary was just one of the many virgins that God could have chosen out of. He could have picked anybody else. Mary's just one of the, or, or they just happened to be in Bethlehem. That, 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 it's just a coincidence that it happened. And then while they were there, it just so happened that Jesus was born there. I mean, it's all one big coincidence. It's easy to say that. But hear me, the truth is that God never works by coincidence. God always works on purpose. Look at Matthew 1, verse 17, as we look at the lineage of Jesus. I'm going to show you how he works on purpose. Follow me as we walk through this text and we walk through kind of like a map through the Bible, seeing how God is purposeful. 
it says, all the generations from Abraham to David were 14 generations. And from David to the deportation to Babylon, 14 generations. And from the deportation to Babylon to the Christ, 14 generations. And for my mathematicians in here, that makes Jesus the 42nd generation of Abraham. And this is significant. This is significant because God said he would bless the nations through the seed of Abraham. Now stay with me. I promise we're going someplace with this, so stay with me. See, again, you see that, that, that Jesus is in the lineage of Abraham, which goes back to God calling Abraham and blessing him in Genesis chapter 12, verses 1 through 3. It says these words. Now the Lord said to Abram, he's not Abraham yet, he's Abram. Go from your country and your kindred and your father's house to the land that I will show you, and I will make of you a great nation, and I will bless you and make your name great so that you will be a blessing. I will bless those who bless you, and him who dishonors you, I will curse. And in you, all the families of the earth shall be blessed. See, friends, God blesses him first, and then he makes a covenantal promise with Abraham in Genesis 13, 14 through 17. You still with me? This text reads, the Lord said to Abram, after Lot had separated from him, lift up your eyes and, and, and look from the place where you are, northward and southward and eastward and westward. For all the land that you see, I will give to you and to your offspring forever. I will make your offspring as the dust of the earth, so that if one can count the dust of the earth, your offspring also can be counted. Arise, walk through the length and the breadth of the land, for I will give it to you. Now, family, don't miss this. The key concept in this covenant that God makes with Abraham is not all of the things or the things that he's going to bless Abraham with, but it is through whom he will do the blessing. Y'all missed it. Let me, let me say it this way. He, hear me. Sometimes we get so caught up in getting our blessings that we forget the one through which our blessings come from. Boy, I wish I had time to preach this this morning. I wish y'all were with me. Y'all need to wake up in here. See, 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 sometimes we forget where our blessings come from. But hear me, hear me clearly. Our want for blessings, family, should never outweigh the thanks that we give the one through which our blessings come from. Now notice here in in, in verse 16 of Genesis 13, he, he says the word offspring. Now the significant thing about the word offspring here in that text, in the original language, is that it's singular. It's not plural, it's singular. This means that all of the blessings for Abraham will come through one person, one person. Not Abraham's immediate descendants, his sons right there, but one, one person. Paul even points this out in Galatians 3.16. He says these words, now the promises were made to Abraham and to his offspring. It does not say and to offsprings, referring to many, but referring to one and to your offspring who is Christ. The offspring is Christ. 
This was a covenantal promise made to Abraham before the law and the commandments through Moses were put in place, which means that that there's no law that says, get all of these things and pass them on to your sons, your inheritance, pass on an inheritance. No, 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 this is a promise made between God and Abraham before the law. That's what's happening right here. So so here's old Abraham, and he's sitting back, he's waiting on this promise. He's trusting in God for this promise to come true, not just for his children. See, some people just get it mixed up and think he's just waiting on a child he's waiting on this promise to come through but he's waiting for this seed through which he will be blessed and the nations will be blessed which is through Jesus friends you see how there's a scarlet thread throughout the Bible that points to the gospel of Jesus Christ even from the beginning we're in Genesis and then I'm talking about Luke and the coming of Jesus and Advent it's a scarlet thread that goes throughout the Bible And and here's what we must not miss. Abraham trusted God for all of these things to come true. He looked to a day for this to come true and happen, but he never saw that day. Jews in this day of writing uh, of Luke chapter 2 right here, based off the covenant with Abraham, between Abraham and God, they looked for the Messiah and when he would come. This was not a coincidence There's no coincidence that Jesus is born in the 42nd generation of Abraham. Hear me, God always works on purpose. But stay with me because I'm not done yet because Jesus being born in the line of Abraham, that's not it. That's not the only thing that's not a coincidence here in the text. Jesus being born in Bethlehem fulfills the prophecy in Micah chapter 5 verse 2 which says these words. But you, O Bethlehem, Ephrathah, who are too little to be among the clans of Judah, from you shall come forth for me, one who is to be a ruler in Israel, whose coming forth is from of old, from ancient days. People were waiting the arrival of the Messiah that was coming, hence this whole advent. They're, They're waiting for him. This is no coincidence. It's no coincidence that Jesus was born in Bethlehem. His birth in Bethlehem fulfills this prophecy right here in Micah chapter 5 verse 2. God, hear me y'all, he doesn't do anything by coincidence. And even though we may not see it or understand it from time to time, he always has a purpose. See, some of y'all looking at me like y'all not getting it yet, so let me try to make it plain a little bit to you. Let me me try to bring it home a little bit more. I, I remember when I was a child and... One summer, my father had this bright idea. He said, let's go out to a cabin and let's spend part of the summer out there. And we went out there and we had a ball. But one day we were playing out in the blistering heat. It was hot outside. And I was, you know, giving it to my dad on a basketball court one-on-one. I was about 11 and I beat him. And he has this whole story about how I didn't beat him because the raindrop hit him. It wasn't even raining. It was hot outside. So we're playing and I, and I, and I beat him. So we had this, 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 let's go out and let's rent a boat. It's hot, let's go jump in the lake, let's do some fishing. So we're sitting there and we're, we're signing the paperwork to, to get this boat. And I, my father, if you know anything about it, I mean, he's a big, tall guy, about 6'4", 250 or something like that. And he's, he's over there off in the distance. He's a goofy guy, but you, you really can't say anything. Anybody got a family member like that where you can't say anything to them because they know everything? So, so he's sitting off in the distance, goofy as can be, and he's kicking this buoy. And I'm like, what? Why is he kicking this buoy? It's a big buoy, and, and he, he's kicking it over and over again. 
And I'm like, well, you can't say nothing to him, so let him go ahead and kick the buoy. I don't know what he's doing, but maybe he knows what he's doing. So, so we're sitting there, and, 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 and he, we're signing the paperwork, and he's continually kicking this buoy. And, and here's the thing, family. This buoy is meant to be a hazard marker for the boats. I got a picture of it. it it's a hazard marker for the boats that are coming in. It has a purpose. It has a purpose, and out of all things, I would think my father would have known this as an avid fisherman, what's the point of this buoy? What's its purpose? But he keeps on kicking it. So as we're finishing up the paperwork, all of a sudden you hear this big old splash. You turn your head and I'll see, there's no daddy around, all you see is his hat floating on top of the water, y'all. I was rolling. It was hilarious because he could swim. You got to first know that he can swim. So I, I started laughing after I knew he was going to be okay because it was funny. I mean, he kicked this buoy and then he tried to jump on the buoy and the buoy just flipped over. Well, what are you thinking? But here's the point. He didn't understand or pay attention to the true purpose of the buoy. He missed it. And now he has to walk around all wet for the rest of the day. But hear me, although he missed it, the buoy still had a purpose. See, if I was in a chocolate church, I promise y'all would have been standing on your feet right now. I I say all of this to say is that we may be going through something right now or, or, or you're trying to figure out life and wondering why or where is God? Why are you doing these things in my life? God, why am I going through this? Why do I feel so stuck? He, hear me, family. Although we may look at the scriptures and look at our life and may not be able to see what's happening, we may miss it just like my dad missed the purpose of the buoy. Hear me. God always has a purpose. He always has a purpose, and he works on purpose. Just continue to keep trusting him and knowing that he has a purpose. Now, someone may have needed to hear that. Friends, God doesn't work by coincidence. He works on purpose. And you know what that means for you and I? It means that our lives, our creation Where we're at right now is not an accident. It's on purpose. It's not by chance. He created us in his image for him on purpose, for a purpose. And you know what that purpose is? It's for us to bring glory to him. It's to bring glory to him. Don't believe me? Look at this text. Mary is a virgin, and she gives birth to Jesus. Who gets the glory from this? God. Mary marries Joseph, who is in the line of David, who fulfills the Abrahamic covenant. Who gets the glory from this? God. Jesus is born in Bethlehem and fulfills the prophecy of the coming Messiah, which again brings glory to who? God. Nothing is by coincidence. Friends, I tell you this again. God always works on purpose and he works on purpose for his glory. 
Family, much of the reason we don't have joy during this season of Advent and during this time of Christmas, we, we don't have lasting joy is because we don't truly understand the true purpose of this season, which is that it's to bring glory or, or praise God for all that he is and all that he has done. And I know you're saying, well, okay, okay, Pastor, I get it. I'm supposed to bring glory to God and glorify him with all of my life and give him all that I have, lay down my life. But, but, but how in the world is me bringing glory to God going to give me joy? How, how do I get joy from that? All right, let's look at the text. It answers that. Verse 9 through 11, it says these words. And an angel of the Lord appeared to them. And the glory of the Lord shone around them, and they were filled with great fear. And the angel said to them, fear not, for behold, I bring you good news of great joy that will be for all the people. Remember, all the people. For unto you is born this day in the city of David a Savior, who is Christ the Lord. Now, there's a lot going on right here in these two scriptures, but the thing that struck me was as I'm studying is this is this is the third time that an angel of the Lord has come in this first two chapters of Luke the third time not the first time or the second time the third time see the first one was to Zachariah the father of John the Baptist he comes to him he tells him that your son that's going to be born is going to prepare the way for the coming Messiah the second time is to Mary, and he tells her that she's going to have a son. His name's going to be Jesus. We're going to talk about that next week. And this third one right here in our scripture is to the shepherds, these regular old shepherds. Now, this threw me off because I can look at the passage and I can understand why God would send an angel to the first two. I get Mary, I, 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 I get Zechariah, but, but why send an angel to these old, regular, insignificant shepherds, some of the lowest people in society? But we gotta pay close attention to what the angel says in verse 10 and 11. He says to the shepherds, do not be fearful. Do not be fearful because I bring you good news of great joy for a Savior is born who is Christ the Lord. See, friends, the third proclamation from this angel is to bring the good news or the gospel of Jesus Christ to all people, even the lowest. Which means that it doesn't matter what race you are or where you come from, your socioeconomic status or, or your background or anything that you bring to the table. Jesus is for everybody. It doesn't matter. He's sent for the whole world. He tells regular old shepherds that the one you have been waiting for is here. Have joy. The Abrahamic covenant is fulfilled through him. Have joy. The prophecy has come true. Have joy. The angel says not only has a savior been born here, but this is the Lord himself. It's God himself wrapped in flesh. Renew, you know why we can have joy during this Advent season? You know why we get joy during this season? It's, it's because not only has our Savior come to the earth, not only has covenants been fulfilled, not, not only has prophecies come true, but God himself has come down to earth for us. That's why we have joy. See, there's many things we can take 
joy in and have joy in this Christmas, but our great joy comes from Jesus, who is God in the flesh. It's the good news of the gospel of Jesus Christ where he comes and he takes the penalty of our sin on himself by dying on the cross, but not just staying on the cross, going to the grave, and three days later getting up with power in his hands. He's our savior. And we glorify God not by our works or things we bring to the table or things that we could do, but by being in right relationship with Jesus. See, we, we, we take pride. And we can have joy in Jesus' birth. Because in a world like ours, where, where there's many things that can seem to steal our joy all the time, we that believe can have joy because we have Jesus, God himself in flesh, and nobody, hear me, can take that away from us. Nobody can take that away from the believer. He triumphs over this world, our personal struggles, and everything else. Jesus is not only the reason for the season, he is the reason. He is the reason we are alive. He's the reason we breathe. He's the reason there's animals. He's the reason that there's air in this place. He's the reason for marriages. He's the reason for kids. Shall we keep going? Jesus is the reason. He's the reason. The word says that everything that was created by, was created by the word of God. See this in John 1, 3, he spoke light and life into existence. Everything that has been made was made by the word of God. And guess what, family? John 1, 14 tells us that Jesus is the word of God. And the word became flesh and dwelt among us and we have seen his glory. I love this. Glory as of the only son from the father, full of grace and truth. Family, we have joy during this time because Jesus is the glory of God. It says that, that he became flesh and we beheld his glory. This is why we can have joy this Christmas and every day of our lives because we don't just get to celebrate a baby being born into this world, but we get to celebrate our Savior being born, the creator of everything, the one who triumphs over death and sin so that we can have life. We don't just get a baby, but we get to behold the glory of God and all of his fullness. We get to celebrate God himself coming in flesh for us wayward sinners. This is why Advent is so special. This is why it's so significant. So friends, take joy in your Savior. The word, God himself became flesh and we get to behold the glory if we know Jesus Christ as our Lord and Savior. Family, we glorify God, again, not by what we do, because God is glorified through Jesus. And we glorify God by being in right relationship with him. So, so, so when you open that gift, that gift that you've been waiting for all year long, maybe it's a new car, maybe it's a new house, some, some clothes, some shoes, maybe it's something you've been looking forward to. Maybe it's like the Ninja Turtles that, 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 that brings you so much joy. Remember, it will never give you a lasting joy. It will soon pass away and that there's nothing compared to the true gift that we have in Jesus that is to come and come again. 
Let me end this way because there is a response needed to this time in Advent. As we come to communion and we get to the tables this morning, the big question is, what does your relationship look like with Jesus? If we're to bring glory to him, to God, and we only do that through a right relationship with Jesus, we have to ask the question, what does my relationship look like with Jesus? And you may have walked in here today, and this might have been your first time you've ever heard the gospel of Jesus Christ, the fact that he loved you so much that he would step out of heaven and come down here, live amongst us the life that we live and live it the way we should have but also take the the form of a servant or a slave and serve us uh, lowly human beings that shouldn't have been served. And not only does he he serve us, but he gets beat down. He puts a cross on his back and he hikes up a hill and he hangs there with nails in each one of his hands for each one of us. So that if we believe we can have life through him, life everlasting, life eternally, that's why this season is so awesome. God himself wrapped in flesh comes for each one of us and dies the death that we should have died. That's the gospel of Jesus Christ. Maybe this is the first time that you've ever heard that message and you're saying, I need Jesus. I want to pray for you this morning. Myself and Pastor Luke will be here. We'd love to pray for you this morning during our time of communion. Maybe you're in the second place and you walked in here this morning and you know who Jesus Christ is, but you know you haven't been living the way you need to live. Maybe you've been shacking up, you've been doing something that you shouldn't be, drinking too much or something you've been doing. You walked in here and said, you know, I have not been living the right way. I know God calls me to do something else and be something else and be this way and I haven't been, that's not me. Maybe you need prayer this morning. Because the thing I love about God and, and Jesus is that as we saw in that scripture, John 1.14 says he's full of grace and truth. The fact that, that you can still come to the throne, he accepts you and he wants you. And he covers you with his grace and his love. So if you're in either one of those places this morning, come during this time of communion, let us pray for you. But wherever you are, let us realize the true reason for this season, which is Jesus. Amen. Let's pray.